Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Leadership Lounge. We are powered by TDL and we're bringing a community of like-minded people together focusing on their future leadership. Um, We're speaking to like-minded people with amazing stories and experts in their field. So if you haven't already and you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe. Um, On recording this, we've just gone over 300 subscribers. So um, these little um, marks of... um, figures and, and these algorithms now that I'm learning about ex-military um, it are earmarks and um, targets to aim for so thank you very much if you're listening to us on your podcast provider make sure you hit follow and as ever let us know what you get from each episode and each guest so today we're speaking to Johnny how are you really good start of the day as I usually do sort of bit of fizz and I think that sets you up and I think I'm probably on my 10th brew of the day and it's not even lunchtime Yes, I love that. You saying brew has a little bit of an inkling of your background as well, because I keep saying brew, and people are like, well, what's this you talk about, a brew? Because I'm, I'm a brew sort of, I don't drink coffee, so I always got a brew. <laughs> we'll, we'll dig into that. So um, I came across Johnny on LinkedIn, um, as a lot of my connections and podcast guests are nowadays. Um, similar military backgrounds. And we'll, we'll ask you a little about that. But you've got a link, as if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Veterans in Politics. Um, we've only had a couple of episodes so far about politics. Um, and I really like what you're doing, um, how you're positioning, how you're talking about it. I like the idea of it. And I wanted to have you on. Um, and you've got a couple of other things going on, which we'll chat about as well. So, Johnny, as I hit the 20-minute timer, um, if the people don't, don't know who you are, what you do, um, give us a little bit of an introduction off you go well i kind of front myself up as the veteran in politics um and my my call to most decent people is stand up and serve again because i have spent a career working behind the scenes of politics for many well-known figures so i work with a great mp called grant shaps who's a, currently a secretary of state so he's one of the, the the amazing people i've worked with but i've also worked with the good the bad and the ugly of politics so particularly in local government and it was my observation working and looking across the parties that those in our politics simply weren't good enough they kind of lack the minerals they lack the values they lack the skills in many places as well so my professional background of working behind the scenes of politics um it has really driven me today to do something about it Uh, but running alongside this political career that i've run um, sort of for my late 20s has been a military career having first joined the army back in 1996 serving my first operational tour at the age of 18 in Northern Ireland uh, to them I, I felt this real urge to rejoin the military when Afghanistan was happening so I re-enlisted and guess what yeah you end up somewhere hot and sandy so those kind of two parallel careers of the military and politics have now come together in what I call this stand up, serve again mantra uh, and and starting up campaign force and not for profit. Yeah, amazing. Um, so how did leadership turn up in your military career? Tell us a little bit about the evolution, what you were involved with and how leadership, actually, I, I like that good, bad and ugly because I think that comes out in all walks of life. Um, so how would you sort of explain your leadership journey in the military? I think people will perceive the armed forces to be quite hierarchical and they're right in in that assumption because you have rank structures you have um inbuilt um the, the class system in our country is, is still across our armed forces as well 
Um, and we have seen some changes. So um, we see more um, people from um, different social or economic backgrounds becoming officers, for example. So there's definitely been some positive step forward with that, but it has an impact on leadership that we experience, whether that be in basic training or at the unit level. Um, but I actually found that a bit of a dichotomy in my experience, because when you go on operations, the leadership style was changed from the situations that present themselves. So I found that leadership style, rather than being a hierarchical top-down um, approach to leadership that you experience in the United Kingdom in peacetime, when you're actually on operations, it's far more lateral. And I found that people at a lower level um, are empowered more. And that depends on the, the, the culture and leadership style of those that are sort of one up and two up above you. Um, and so it's a bit of chance, but that kind of approach uh, to operations, because at the end of the day, if you've got the enemy facing you, then the rank structure is, is, is not really going to be um, the thing that you will fall back on half the time. It's going to be the person that's there in the moment and their ability to lead a situation. And that might often be the lowest ranked person in that team. So I've seen some phenomenal examples of leadership at a lower level. Um, I think I became a better leader because I was empowered by a really good um, chain of command because I was isolated. I was on my own. I was working as a, um, a linguist, an interpreter attached to a unit. So I didn't have anyone really there on my shoulder telling me what to do. I was kind of trusted, empowered. Um, and I think that's really where my, my leadership style started to develop within that operational environment. Yeah, amazing. And I kind of talk to this, talk about this with ex-colleagues, and I can't remember whether it's come up on the podcast. I think it has a couple of times, but I'd like to, what's your thoughts on this? So I think the military have got, they're put on a pedestal for leadership because it is that, as you said, when it's sandy, deserty, or is on, on the battle, something's gone. Leadership is from, I've not had experience myself, but I know it's phenomenal. It, it is phenomenal. When you're back in the UK peacetimes, everybody is on their leadership journey when it's not situational frontline. So there is a, a variety, let's say, of leadership styles, abilities across all ranks. What are your um, experience? Because I, I, I said in my sort of story that I think leadership has evolved in the 12 years I did. It's gone from dictatorship, kind of tell, there's one way of telling people how to do um, weapons drill, for example. And we're going through that evolution of everybody's got different learning styles, everybody's got different ability skills. Did you experience that shove, that, that nudge in the right direction of inclusivity in leadership journeys? I was really lucky that I had an amazing mentor when I was 18 on the streets of West Belfast. And I've spoken about him before, a guy called uh, Corporal Andy Shaw, um, who was one of the most streetwise um, individuals, quietly spoken. Um, don't get me wrong, he was he was tough uh, from you know, the streets of South London. Um, so there was a, uh, a slight, as an 18 year old, slight menacing um, aura to him as well. But he was really softly spoken. And, and what I witnessed, so what I actually saw, the leadership so I saw and experienced was kind of a bit of, bit of tough love, quite frankly. But then when he was actually on the streets, his ability to communicate, use body language effectively, um, despite being faced with a crowd of, of young drunk people, um, he was able to control situations using communication as a, as a leadership style that wasn't necessarily fit the bill of the military hard edge leadership style. So he could kind of switch on and switch off those um, styles. But overall, overall, it was quite a, it was a, a really good mentoring, nurturing style. Um, 
and and when I went through training, I was actually um, suffered a, a, a minor form of bullying from one of my instructors. And I always thought, well, if I'm ever in a situation where I become an instructor, which I have been, that's exactly how I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in that classroom environment, we've got lots of information to take on. Um, you know, you're getting tested. You're under exam conditions. The last thing you need is someone to come in shouting and bawling. Mm. So that's going to completely you're going to just withdraw and you're not going to perform so i that that leadership style for me has been very much nurturing um but at the same time knowing that you know if you get across that line then you can deploy a more tough tougher um stance if needed so don't don't take liberties with my mm. style um, don't take that as a, a signal for you to be able to take advantage of me because that's certainly not going to be the case um so how you carry yourself um how you communicate um is really important but you've got to back that up with action so if you're going to say you're going to be an empathetic leader if you're going to say you're going to nurture mentor and then one of your students on a course comes to you and says they're struggling and you haven't got time for them because you're too busy you're going to do something else you can't back that up you've got to be Mm -hmm. able to then say right stop let's let's talk that through um and and do that mentoring piece so i think for me it's what i saw and then i became and then you know hopefully have passed that style on to other people as they've seen it too yeah i like that i like that and again it adds that self accountability isn't it about that check yourself sometimes about what you've said over what you're showing and and presenting to others so i like that and can we pinpoint when politics started to come into your sort of thought process how far back was that Probably goes back to my teenage years um i'm from a very uh a working class background in my family um indeed i was the first person from my family uh, i probably heard this before i was the first person to go to university i was literally the first person from my entire family um to have gone to university and um but i think early on my dad um he just cared um, he came from southeast london um he'd experienced as a child poverty um he would you know had gone on that um social elevation journey my, with my mum took the family out of London, made our family, you know, move themselves from difficult situations. So the socioeconomic situation. So I think you, you see that. So you witness, again, going back to that thing, what you see, if you see your family working hard, you see your family you know, struggling, if you see your family trying to do better, um, then that's politics, quite frankly. And my dad was very politically engaged. We'd sit up and watch Question Time um, as kids. I'd come back from the cadets, and that's when my military story started, and we'd stay up and watch Question Time. Um, Or David Frost, my political hero, um, the broadcaster, uh, famous, of course, from the Nixon interviews. Um, He would be someone that I was just captivated by when he would speak truth and get the best out of his interviews from politicians. So it was kind of nurtured at a young age. But did I ever think that I would go and work for a member of parliament people like me from my background don't know anyone in politics absolutely not and yeah. so really by chance i fell into politics um and uh, and applied for a job just asked the question um yeah. could i stand up and serve a game myself what be it behind the scenes of politics it's you know i love that i love that sometimes i do say like how, how did that if you were to tell yourself like 10 years ago 50 however long it was you were doing what you're doing now it's it's pretty eye-opening when you when you get to speak to people that are in those positions <clears throat> um so tell me about how like tell me some stories about how the veteran community is starting to engage in politics because the reason i got you on was because i see it as a massive positive thing um some of the you, you mentioned before about the values how people are, are holding themselves the beliefs the values behaviors 
over what we see without going too political <laughs> um tell us some stories about how that's currently happening because i think there's not a lot of people that know about it obviously we have a connection into veteran communities and we do know some people i've got some people earmarked to be coming on the podcast sharing some of their stories because they're in the thick of it but tell us a couple of things about what are happening with the veteran politics now what well, goes back to that point about what you see so i saw some really good examples um as i was becoming frustrated working behind the scenes of politics um i was becoming a bit disillusioned quite frankly um i actually saw myself as part of the problem because i was really good at my job i was producing crap politicians um that's not grant shaps by the way he's absolutely amazing but in local government I, I was good at my job but you can only work with the candidates that you see in front of you but we saw some really good examples so the likes of dan jarvis in labor a former parachute regiment officer who's well liked and respected across the house johnny mercer famously um, as our veterans minister a veteran of afghanistan three tours of afghanistan so starting to see these characters in our contemporary politics but if you wind it right back through history Churchill you know had a a long career in the military and and you just pick your way through these way markers of in of post-war period we had whole generations of MPs that literally helped rebuild Britain um, at its worst time at its lowest point World War One I've um, evangelized about the the backgrounds of many of the MPs that were killed in World War One um, Ian Fleming the creator of James Bond his father um, when Ian Fleming, I think, was just five years old, was an MP and died on the Western Front. So what you see are these these figures throughout history and in contemporary times that are actually good, effective politicians, leaders in our communities. Um, and then what I then saw and um, experienced from working behind the scenes was a complete void of leadership, a complete... Um, lack of skills uh, some lack of values and we don't need to bang on about what we've seen around values um we've seen bullying become uh, an increasing topic to talk about in politics i've experienced bullying in politics myself um we see um all the different scandals from the expenses scandal right now around values-based decisions doing the right thing and and that was not what i was seeing in the armed forces community don't get me wrong there's some wrong uns that pop up every now and again mm. uh, and we tend to hound them and as does the media when they pop up but by and large some pretty decent people in the armed forces quite frankly who've given the best years of their life and faced some pretty tough decision decisions and situations and i saw industry embracing that opportunity to solve commercial problems by tapping in because i worked at the mod for three years as part of that process of getting as a civil servant getting veterans into commercial opportunities so i thought why on earth is no one we've got this problem staring at us in the face we've got these great examples through history contemporary examples from dan and johnny so let's do something about it and i thought well god if it's if it's not me then who um, i love that <laughs> so <laughs> that's why i stood up and served again and, and started campaign force so i just thought as you were talking then it's really inspiration inspiring listening to you talk about it as well um just backs up why I wanted to have you on. Do you think, just to go move on to something else to finish the episode off, do you think we'll see a veteran PM at some point in the future? That's a big question. <laughs> big question. Um, well, it all, they've got to stay elected first and foremost. So there's going to be a general election in the next year or so. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's some really good, talented MPs who may or may not be in government. At the moment, obviously, we have the blue team looking as a realistic possibility it could be the red team 
Um, and there are some good veterans I know standing as parliamentary candidates in the red team who no one has even heard about. Some have come on the podcast. Um, and there are some people in the yellow team too um, who are phenomenal. One of my um, community is standing in local government, having listened to the Veterans in Politics podcast and hearing the stories of others. That's been that's inspired her to stand right. up and serve again. Um, so there's a whole generation. This is this Iraq-Afghan generation, right? We're in our 30s, 40s and 50s. We're taking over the mantle from the Falklands War generation at the moment as we speak. Um, could we see uh, a, a PM? Um, the last, I think we had um, uh, Dennis Healy served in the military, um, Anthony Eden. So we have had PMs that have served in the military, but it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, we could do. Um, and that's a proper politician's <laughs> answer, isn't it? <laughs> If you're asking for a name, um, I've you know big fan of Dan Jarvis, big fan of Johnny Mercer. So on both sides of the the house, there uh, I think they're empathetic leadership styles. Um, they have a they're quite visionary, um, but then they they back it up as well with their values and their actions uh, as well. So there there's a load of potential from this cohort. And we saw Tom Tugendhat, of course, go for leadership of the Conservative Party during that race, and yeah. he definitely fronted up his military experience as part of the, his sell to the Conservative membership. Excellent, and I, I've got a feeling we might be getting a, we might be sending some invites out onto the leadership podcast on this one. <laughs> so I want to finish the episode off talking about you again, okay? Because we we chatted and caught up just before we did this episode about some amazing things you're getting involved in. So I don't want to steal your thing. Can you tell us about that amazing experience you're currently having and you're going to do and and why it's come to fruition and what it is? So from a pretty unamazing experience of having a motorcycle accident four years ago, seven surgeries, a mental health injury, um, three bouts of therapy, um, infections, um, nearly losing my leg, um, and not working for four and a half months. Uh, what's at the same time becoming a parent and COVID-19? Perfect. I decided to start a business and a, and a not-for-profit around about that time as well. Um, but coming out of the other side, so I, I have experienced trauma. Um, but now at the other side of that is this post-traumatic growth period that I feel that I'm in to be able to really lead a campaign force as a campaign cross-party, to be able to um, start my own business, um, the great campaigns company with my wife, um, but to be able to put my hand up and apply to be part of Team UK for the Invictus Games, uh, of which I'm massively proud to say I'm a member of to go to Dusseldorf this year to compete in powerlifting rowing and indoor cycle and, and cycling um so yeah that's been a whole process and I think I wouldn't have been ready for this about a year and a half two years ago uh, but thanks to the Royal British Legion uh, and their running of it and the Invictus Games Foundation the opportunity has arisen and out of I think about about almost a thousand people expressed interest, hundreds applied, uh, 59 of us are off to Dusseldorf. And I think running behind all of this, I've spoke about that adversity. Sport has been my thing. CrossFit, I've got to mention CrossFit. Um, CrossFit has been the gateway of getting a bit of me back. It's provided me with the community to be more resilient. You can't be resilient on your own. You can't top up your resilience levels to face bad situations without a community, whether it be family, the armed forces, or a gym. So um, my, my CrossFit gym, Nen Training, has been amazing as part of that journey, and it gave me the confidence to get out there and apply for the Invictus Games. But whilst you're fitter, more energy, um, more focus, post-traumatic growth, um, stronger, means I can be more effective in business means I can be more effective with campaign force. So I owe sport a huge amount of um, gratitude for that and the people that have supported me. And then um, 
alongside that, I take it very, very seriously, the responsibility of having that union flag on my chest, representing my country once again. And um, that's why I'm getting out there to talk about this to schools, to young people, to cadet units, uh, because I think that's really part of the deal to inspire others to get over difficult times, whether it be through sport, the creative arts, however you're going to do it, there are these things available for you to get over times what are really bad that I've faced. Yeah, amazing. We have had um, somebody on the podcast, Scotty Simon, um, who has been part of the Invictus Games. So when he came on, it was very much to do with his involvement in the Olympics and, and coaching and high-end sports. So I wanted to have that element in because it, it's so phenomenal. Um, he talks very highly about how humbling it was, what such a great experience it was. Um, to finish off, if somebody's listening to this now and, and we're able and privileged enough to have it across a lot of veteran communities and people feel inspired or they want to pass this on to somebody that they know might want to listen to this, what what's the next step for somebody to be going, I like the sound of that, I can get on board with that, what can they do? So if you want to get involved in politics, do. Because if you don't, it's them. Things won't change. We've seen our biggest enemy at the moment in politics is apathy. We've seen from 1979 uh, through to the big elections in 1997 with the, with the Blair election, Thatcher, Blair, gradually the percentages of turnout have, have dropped year on year. And that's what they, they want because that will, nothing will change. And that is despite the increase of things like digitization. Um, so the engagement opportunities there and political engagements everywhere you can't move for it but the engagement at the ballot box is really small um, but that means we need to be inspired we need me to give people a reason to vote and we can't leave this to the political parties alone i don't care what political party you're part of or um just it's a vehicle it's the enabler or even if you stand as an independent very tricky tricky in a general election um but certainly possible in local elections so i would just say stand up and serve again um come and speak to me i will share my 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 black book is your black book my um knowledge and experience we have courses etc um is is there to grab hold of it because nothing will change what we're trying to create here is a virtuous insurgency we want to get within with good people and that includes uh, the other uniform services so it's not just restricted to the armed forces community of which i evangelize over um so stand up and serve again stop throwing pillows at the tv you'll run out of pillows and actually do something about it. Otherwise, nothing will change. An amazing way to finish a podcast. Thank you so much. So if you're inspired by that, make sure you hit Johnny's links below um, on the podcast um, show notes, all across social media. Uh, make sure you reach out and connect and ask those questions and get involved. So Johnny, thank you so much again. Absolute pleasure. As always, so if you've listened to this on the YouTube channel, make sure you hit subscribe. If you're listening to us as you go by your day on your podcast provider, make sure you hit follow. And as ever, next week, Wednesday, 6 a.m., another amazing episode will be coming out to add value to your leadership journey. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye.